Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 290 and we're talking about travel in Croatia. That's right, as well as talking about the three food tours we've done in the last five days. It's going to be a good one. The rather unpleasant sound you just heard was what we had to listen to for about three hours as we flew from Thessaloniki to Rome last week. That's right. We had several flights last week, and unfortunately, one of them was delayed by three hours. Now, it was a Ryanair flight, and to be fair, they're usually pretty good. And also, to be quite fair, having a delayed flight meant we didn't have to listen to that annoying ding, 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 self-congratulatory Uh, jingle that they play when they land on time so you know you win some you lose some (laughs) it was almost worth it almost (laughs) worth it um yeah we started in skopje and then we went down to thessaloniki in greece that's right we had a bit of a mission getting there because our bus from uh, skopje left at five o'clock and because of the clock changes um you know for daylight savings it was already dark by the time we got to the bus station at 4 30 bus was supposed to go at 5, it didn't go until 5.30 because several passengers, I don't know what they were doing, I think they hadn't bought tickets, and they held up the bus for half an hour. And then, yeah, we had a long trip. We finally got to our um, accommodation, which was really nice, a nice place. What was it called? Uh, rent Rooms in Thessaloniki. And we just collapsed into bed. We were so tired after this long trip. The next day started off much better, though, because we had a light breakfast, not light enough in Linda's case, and (laughs) then went on a uh, food tour with Urban Adventures Thessaloniki. It was called The Tastes of Thessaloniki. That's right. And uh, our guide, Thanasis, was awesome. He said that the idea of the tour was as if we were visiting him, him, as if we were friends of his, and he was just taking us to his favorite places to to have a snack or to have lunch. And it felt just like that because we were the only people on the tour. It was absolutely brilliant. However, we did eat far too much. I think the things he ordered would have been enough for four people rather than just two. I think that's the Greek way, though. It is. is, uh, Lots of food on the table and eat as much as you are able. We left something at every single place. Yeah. Now, he made sure to say at the beginning that it's perfectly okay to do that. (laughs) Quite normal. We won't be offended. But, oh, my goodness, I still felt bad. We also had a brief lesson in reading your fortune from the grinds inside a coffee cup, at which Linda <laughs> prophesied my, my death. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. That's not true. <coughs> Here I am dying now. <laughs> well. It's okay. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. I didn't die. I didn't prophesy your death anyway. What happened was uh, Thanasis was telling us about how the old ladies in the villages turned coffee cups upside down and then read the grind. So I was looking at Craig's one and I saw a snake and Vanessa said, oh, that means, that means an enemy. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's something else. He's like, no, no, it's, it just <laughs> means an enemy. But we didn't come across any enemies, luckily. So that was, that was really good. Uh, after we flew into Rome the next day, we, well, once again, arrived a bit late, um, this time due to the, the flight delay. The flight delay. Um, and then we, Probably fell asleep. Yeah, this. we were staying at Blues BB, which is a nice little guest house near um, Termini Station. So we caught a bus from the airport to Termini and then, yeah, just walked. It was like 10 minutes. Yeah, really nice location. Yeah. And then uh, over the next two days, we did another two food tours. I think we were a little yeah. unwise. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was with uh, Eating Italy, and this was a tour around the area of Testaccio, 
which is one of the the old neighborhoods. We thought we were going to be doing a tour around um, Trastevere. Trastevere. I can never pronounce that well. I'm done. not sure if I've pronounced it right. I'm just making it up. Um, and we showed up there only to realize we'd been sent the uh, the wrong starting destination. So we did this amazing race style fact finding mission um, to. It wasn't far away, actually. It was about 10, 15 minutes yeah. away but when to we, go join the other tour. We were given the directions to one of the stops on the tour, and we went to it, but there was no one there. And so we'd been sent another one as well, just two doors up the road. So we went there, and there was a group there. So we thought, oh, that's it, that's it. And we asked someone, they're like, no, no, no. So we started to leave, and he said, wait, 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 it's around the corner. So it was really just like The Amazing Race. I'm so glad we found it because it was a wonderful tour. Yeah, I actually think The Amazing Race introduction was, was fun. It was a good introduction to it. <laughs> it was fun indeed. It certainly helped us make space for the the pizza, the truffles, the olive oil, cheeses. the amazing, Gelato, amazing cheeses, mozzarella. three different types of uh, freshly Nova. made, yeah, pasta. yeah, you're distracting me, <laughs> three types of freshly made pasta inside a restaurant that was inside a hill made of shards of amphorae, uh, which the, the Romans used to import all of their dried goods and things like olive oil and wine and things like that. Pretty much all they, the food. They, they piled them all up in this neighborhood. It's what the neighborhood's named after. Yeah, it's a fake um, hill. You, yeah. think, you see it, you think there is a hill. But it's a hill made of rubbish. Made of, well, yeah, rub- pretty, pretty, pretty clean fancy, rubbish. Yeah. Pretty fancy rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, that was really fun. And then the next day we went to Tuscany because that's what you do when you're in Rome. You leave. I don't know what we were thinking. But anyway, it was a good decision. We went with Walks of Italy, not that we did much walking. First of all, we met uh, the guide, well, a, um, a greeter at the train station who gave us our train tickets, so we had a coffee with her. And we hopped on the train, and we met at the station by Alina, who was the host, hostess of the day at uh, Fontanaro Farm. And oh my goodness, it was such a good day. We learned how to make pasta, tiramisu, risotto, uh, oh, Pork loin, roasted pork loin, yeah. to taste wine and and olive oil and oh, yeah, Alina's so an accredited sommelier um, for wine, which is special but quite normal, but also for olive oils. So we did an olive oil tasting as well as uh, a few wine tastings. I think we've been spoiled for olive oil now. We've got to just buy the best stuff. A brilliant, but yeah. That's going <laughs> to destroy our she budget. She said, do not buy any olive oil less than 10 euros. <laughs> we're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really amazing. Smooth. But it was a fun day with a, a great group, um, people coming in independently, people staying at the villas they've got out there, and also people coming in off the tour. Yeah, yeah. Really nice small group and a really nice atmosphere out there and fantastic food. It was brilliant. So then we got back to Rome. That was fine. Our train was delayed. We've actually had a bit of delay, a few delays this week. Yeah, yeah. Then we went uh, back to Rome, and the next day our flight onwards was in the afternoon. So we spent the morning wandering around, then checked out of the hotel and uh, went to the airport. And we had a bit of a stress on the way to the airport because we got onto the motorway and it, the traffic wasn't moving. So we kind of inched our way along thinking, hmm, we already chose the latest bus we could to get there at a reasonable time. But anyway, we inched past the cause of the delay, which was an accident, just a minor one. And uh, the driver managed to get us to the airport more or less on time, so we were very impressed with him. Yeah, absolutely. Then and there were no queues for check-in, but for security, for passport control, there was. Oh, it was a huge queue. It was massive. It was like 25 minutes. And then we finally got to the gate, pretty much boarded our flight. We were flying Sri Lankan, and we had a stopover, like a layover in Colombo. So we had nine hours on the flight, an hour in the airport, and then three hours on to KL. And yeah, I thought the flight was quite comfortable. 
I liked having our own individual screens for entertainment. And I really liked having food included. It felt like such huge luxury after all of the budget flights we've been going on. But, uh, you know, it, it wasn't perfect, perfect. And uh, then we got to KL. We were staying with uh, couch surfing friends of ours who we stayed with actually on our way up to Europe about mm-hmm. 20 months ago, staying with them again on the way down. Uh, yesterday we got to meet Tani and Andrew from Magic Travel Blog. Um, they were in town, and so we managed to have dinner with them on Jalana Law, which is you know, this famous street food street with a yeah. mix of Indian and Chinese restaurants. We realized that we're creating traditions mm. while we're in KL because we went to the Central Market on the way to meet them and had a, a white coffee at uh, Old Town White Coffee. They only make white coffee. And, uh, well, they have other things as well, but their signature thing is white coffee. You can't get black coffee. That doesn't exist. And, uh, yeah, so that's something we've done every time we've been in KL. And uh, last time we were here, we also met bloggers on Jalana Law. So, you know, that's becoming a tradition as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we do in KL. (laughs) So next time we're in KL, we expect more bloggers to be here so we can have a big (laughs) meal. Well, we're going to leave you with uh, the sound of some sizzling. When you hear the sizzling sound, I want you to think top quality, fresh from the butcher's pork loin, uh, just sizzling away in uh, very high quality olive oil because we can't have anything less than that. (laughs) Um, And then after this point, it's going to be pushed around in a bit of huge, chunky mineral salt. Uh, It was actually black salt. It was quite cool. Um, then herbs that we just picked out of the the herb garden and then put in an oven. So this is the sound of uh, some of the cooking class at Fontanaro Farm with Walks of Italy. It's the sound of deliciousness. I'm, uh, I love to try different sauce because they have, each one has a different uh, Croatia is a country that we've really enjoyed traveling in. Yeah, it's been great. I'm sad to be leaving it, but actually the original plan for this trip through the Balkans was to not spend time in Croatia, but we ended up spending more time than we expected. So in this feature, we're going to cover what to do in Croatia and pull together our previous visits to the north and uh, talk about Zagreb, Zadar, Split and Dubrovnik. And that will take you north to south through the country hitting the uh, the main cities along the way. That's right. So let's start with Zagreb. We were there last year and also about six or seven years ago. When we were there six or seven years ago, we were only there for two nights, and it was an adventure in itself. We basically stayed in a hostel and went to see the, uh, the candles at the cemetery because we were there on the 1st of November, so it was All Saints Day. But getting there had been the adventure. We were on a train just minding your own business when this whole big family came and joined us in our compartment they'd misunderstood the uh, tickets I think because their compartment was actually further down the train but they fed us rakia and um, sent us away with a big bottle of it so we had I think it was a 1.5 litre Fanta bottle of this homemade homemade plum brandy so when we got to the hostel the the hostel was like oh my goodness they gave you so much rakia you must be great people do you want a job you can stay here and it was hilarious. Yeah, it's like, you, you can't buy this. You need to know someone who knows someone who knows someone whose grandfather has a farm and <laughs> he makes it in the backyard. And yeah. 
So we, awesome. we decanted it into a 500ml bottle and, and took it with us. It took us ages to drink it because it was so strong. And we gave the rest to the, the hostel owner who was in raptures. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty much our first experience of Croatia. The second yeah, time, we don't remember much of it. <laughs> <laughs> the second time was a bit more relaxed. We were couch surfing with a family, a little bit out of town. So we had to take, take two trams or a tram and a bus, I think. And it was quite a different experience. I think we saw a lot more of the city, though, because every day we were there for four days. We'd catch the bus and then the tram into town and, and have a look around. Mm. So uh, what are our top three things to do in Zagreb then? Well, the Tourist Information Office, at least at the time that this podcast goes to air, has a great map with two walking tours on it. And uh, you can do them both in a day. Um, well, and and I think probably. you can do them both in, in half a day. <laughs> and it gives you a chance to to basically see what there is to see in the central town. Mm -hmm. So there's um, kind of two parts of the town. There's a lower town, which is on the flat, and then um, there's a, a big market square that kind of separates the two, and then you're going up the hill into the upper town. In the past, these two hills, which have now kind of become one, mm -hmm. um, were actually two different towns that fought against each other. Yeah. So there's there's... Two hills, a stone's throw apart, that used to have a river running through it, which I think has been put underground or diverted. And um, There's a bridge between yeah. them now, and it's just and, the upper town. It's, these two guys used to fight against each other. I'm like, nope, that's just one block away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's quite funny. There's lots of nice things to see, including uh, churches. There's a great church that has the Croatian coat of arms, like the Croatian flag on it. On the roof. On the roof, Like, yeah. made out of tiles. That's worth seeing. There's a cathedral. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, no, over communism, a lot of these religious centers were really run down, but they've been restored, and some of them are just magnificent. The the art and the, um, yeah, just this... It, it takes you back in time. Mm -hmm. Like, because they weren't developed for a few dozen years and then were restored, it's, it's like stepping back in time. We really enjoyed going to the Museum of Broken Relationships. Now, this is a museum that is quite unique. I don't think there's another one in the world. And uh, it kind of chronicles or uh, curates the experience of breaking up. So there's lots of little letters and artifacts, a little explanation of how it represents a, a dead relationship. And I, I found it quite interesting, quite striking and moving, yeah, actually. Bittersweet, yeah. Like, one of the objects that really stood out to me was a large axe. And I was like, this relationship did not end well. Yeah. Um, but it was the axe used to destroy all of the furniture that someone left in the apartment when they moved out. Mm -hmm. um, and this person, you know, smashed yeah. up all the furniture and then I think set fire to it or something. I can't remember. Um but yeah, seeing this axe across the room, I was immediately drawn to it. But there's lots of things, just like a pair of shoes that belonged to the person that, that left, that was left behind, or um, a soft toy that represented the relationship. Just little things. Yeah. And the stories underneath that were really told the story. Yeah. I also quite enjoyed the archaeology museum. Um, and there were some really interesting things there, including uh, one of the longest papyruses with, I think it was Illyrian writing. I'm... It was a few. It was a while ago now. I can't quite yeah. remember. But yeah, to find this mummy that had been wrapped in this, um, you know, this bandage, huge, huge, yeah. huge big um, kind of thing, and then as they took it off, they realised it was all of this. Uh, right, it was Etruscan. That's right. 
yeah, that's, um, right. that's the, the largest piece of Etruscan writing ever found. Yeah, so they've got this big display for the writing, and then off to one side of the mummy. I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> kind <laughs> yeah. of not really noticed this really old mummy. Anyway, another thing we did that we liked was we went out to the lake, the Jarun Lake, which is a big artificial lake. It's got lots of cafes and things alongside it. And you can go water skiing. It's one of those places that has a, a fixed wire. So you, you hook on and, you know, you have to pay your fare and everything. And you hook on and you go around around a circle. So we sat and watched people fall over a bit. It was fun. That was great, yeah, sitting there with a, a beer by the lake and watching people wipe out. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, now, that's a huge water recreation area. There's areas for competitive rowing, swimming, water polo, and also recreational areas. And so it's great during summer, whether you just want to kind of promenade or sit in a waterfront cafe yeah. or want to get in the water and have some fun. Yeah, we were there a bit after the season, so we didn't see too much going on. Let's move on to Zadar. Otherwise, we will completely run out of time just talking about Zagreb. We loved Zadar. We flew in from Dublin. So there's, I think, two flights a week that go, or maybe three flights a week that go from Dublin to Zadar. And we were really impressed because when we came out of the airport and got on the bus, luckily we arrived just as the bus was about to leave, they actually put on an English-speaking host. So there was the driver who took your money and just a woman standing at the front of the bus answering tourist questions and making sure we got off at the right, at the right time. So that was really great, a really good service because none of us spoke Croatian. The main thing to see in Zadar is the sea organ. So it's a series of steps that go down into the water and as the tide comes in and out, and as there's just the normal kind of movement of the sea, the water plays an organ. It's amazing. So uh, we really enjoyed that. Now, we put in the sound in a recent podcast, but I think we'll put it in again right now just to uh, let people hear it. Just around the corner from that is the port um, as you kind of follow the bay along. And we enjoyed being down by the port, not because there's anything in particular to see or do, but to see the um, the working ships, mm. especially the fishermen. Yeah, there was a ship in port and on board was one guy who was throwing trays of fish to another guy who would put a, a, a layer scoop of full ice. of ice on yeah. it. And another guy would pick it up and throw it to another guy in the truck. And it was just this fluid motion. It was beautiful. And they were moving fish, but... I don't know. It really, it spoke to me. Yeah, and it's it was very photographic being down there, the reflection of boats on the water, and, you know, it's a city that lived on its fishing industry for a long time, and now that's being replaced by tourism. Mm -hmm. But there's still a lot of working boats, and, of course, uh, throughout all the restaurants, you get lovely fresh fish. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's worth doing is visiting one of the museums. The two museums that are that we noticed was uh, the Museum of Ancient Glass, which we didn't visit, but they have a display of lots of different types of glass from the Roman era and other times, and the Archaeological Museum, which is right in the centre, opposite the Roman Forum, which is also worth a visit, but it's open air, so you can just walk through it. The Archaeological Museum is on three levels, and each level chronicles a different age. So on the top floor you have prehistory, with lots of prehistorical artifacts. And it's the story is quite well told. It's chronological, so you start on one wall and you kind of follow the wall around through mm. the different eras. Yeah, you go through the Bronze Age and the Copper Age, and yeah, it's nice. And then on the next floor down is the Roman floor, which is unfortunately closed and has been closed for some time. So that's un unfortunate. Hopefully it'll be open by the beginning of 2014, but 
we live in hope. And then on the ground floor is medieval times, so a lot of lintels and stonework. Yeah, your Gothic religious art through into the Renaissance. What I liked about this museum was that you could get a an audio guide. And I'm really into audio guides at the moment because, you know, just reading signs can get boring. But if you can hear it, that really helps. And this particular audio guide is accessible on your smartphone. So you just have to go onto the Wi-Fi network, find the address, and, and you'll find it. For some reason, it didn't work on my iPhone, which is a an iPhone 5. But it worked on Craig's, which is a bit older. So maybe they need to update their systems. <laughs> maybe. Maybe you're just unlucky. Maybe. So about two hours south by bus is the city of Split, which was the next place that we visited. And it was probably my favorite of the four cities we're talking about today. Yeah, I really liked it. And it's interesting because only about seven to ten years ago, it was regarded as a stop-off point. If you're going from the north to the to the islands or from the north to the south or vice versa, you might spend a night here and then move on. But now it's becoming an attraction in its own right, and I think it deserves it. Yeah, the guy I was speaking to said 10 years ago there were three or four hostels in town, and this year, 2013, there were more than 40 open Mm -hmm. over the summer period. So you can see how how quickly and and how explosively this growth is happening. Yeah. We were staying at the Backpackers Fairy Tale Hostel, which was really nice. It was just quite homely and about a three-minute, four-minute walk from the centre of town. So it was a bit quieter than maybe being right in the centre. Yeah, and because it's on the suburbs, up on the hill above the old town, you've got a great view of both the the harbour, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Uh, You've got the old town, about half of it's taken up by the palace and cathedral complex. And then you've got kind of the the market and small folk complex, which Mm -hmm. is now a lot of boutique shops and nice restaurants. And then beyond that, you've got uh, Marjan Hill. Mm-hmm. And around the corner, either following the coast left or right, you get to nice sandy beaches, which are good for swimming. So so our number one point is to explore the palace. It's a big complex. It's square, and you'll notice it on any map. It's the, Well, it's kind of the ruins of this palace, but at mm-hmm. the same time, a lot of it has been preserved or reconstructed. It's yeah. kind of... In, a, in an odd state of half in, half out, and I really liked yeah. it. And it's not a palace like a, a big mansion. It's a, a walled fortification with its own streets and apartment buildings, and there are still people living in it. Mm-hmm. So it's an actively used historical space. Yeah. Um, but it was the mausoleum of, well, the the reigning point, I think, of the eastern emperors of... Um, or is it the Western Emperors? I can never remember my Roman history. But during the Roman time, it was a, a seat of power, and it was the place where the mausoleum of Diocletian was created. And so you've got these um, pre-Christian sphinxes, uh, Temple to Jupiter, the statue is still there. Um, yeah, all, of, all of this beautiful pre-Christian stuff, and then that all got trashed. And everything became Christianized. So the mausoleum became a cathedral. The uh, Temple of Jupiter became a baptistry. So, yeah, it's it's interesting seeing the two two worlds. And there are quite a lot of little things that you can go and visit within the complex. Uh, You can go, you can pay individual tickets or you can buy a combined ticket for six euros. The combined ticket includes uh, visiting the cathedral, the treasury, bell tower, a crypt, and the baptistry. Now, I thought that the... The cathedral was okay, but the treasury was really interesting. A whole bunch of old books. I love books. 
the, uh, the crypt wasn't really worth visiting. The baptistry was tiny and, yeah, it was interesting enough. Yeah. But the bell tower was really cool it, and a bit scary. It was a bit scary. You start going up these narrow marble stairs and a narrow Real passage. High. Yeah. And so you're really kind of cramped in and claustrophobic and it's dark. And then you pop out of that and you kind of breathe a sigh of relief and go, ah. And then you realize that you're now standing on a, a metal grated platform and metal grated stairs. And you realize that even though you've seen the bell tower several times, you haven't realized that it's not a complete structure and it's just basically a whole lot of columns. <laughs> no, it was so, complete, but the windows were really big. And if you fell off sideways, you were really falling because there were no floors. Yeah. It's just straight up until the roof. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so it's it's as close to open air as you're going to get mm. until you get up to the very top. And then you've and got a good so, solid platform. Yeah. Oh, but even so, it's a bit scary. Yeah, vertigo, wind coming through. Yeah. Um, Not a good choice in the rain. No, but amazing views and well worth going up. Uh, another thing that's worth going up is Margin Hill. So you have to walk maybe about 10 minutes out of town and then follow the path up to the top of the hill, and you get a good view out over the over the city as well. Yeah, once again, lots of steps, but a nice view, big panoramic view, and, uh, yeah, quite nice forest and things like that through it all. And our recommendation for where to eat is at Fifi, which is kind of at the bottom of that hill mm. on that side of town, and uh, it serves really nice local food at good prices. Yeah, it seems to be in every guidebook, and we had people recommend it to us on I think on Twitter and on either Twitter or Facebook and in person and by email. Um, everyone recommends it and we do too. Yeah. Now a bonus point for Split and Zadar is that there's lots of good hiking from, from both of these places. Mm. So you can go on a guided hike or find a map and go for, go by yourself. We didn't have time, but we really want to come back and do some hiking. Yeah, that's one of my main main goals for coming back. Also out of Split, you've got a lot of very popular islands which have good mm. ecotourism options and reasonably budget-friendly backpackers yeah. um, out on them. So, yeah, it's a great place to, to go native from. All right, so our last city is Dubrovnik. Now, we weren't originally going to visit Dubrovnik. We were going to go to Sarajevo. But when we were looking at the map and thinking about our route, it made sense to go, to cut out Sarajevo, go through Dubrovnik, especially because so many people had told us, oh, you can't miss Dubrovnik, it's amazing, it's wonderful. To tell you the truth, we weren't that impressed. I think visiting is good, but go there for three or four hours, explore the old town, and then and then leave. It's a tourist hotspot, so there were lots and lots of tourists around, and tourism has kind of killed the old town. Prices have gone up so much that locals can't afford to live there anymore. And so when you're there during the day or at night, it feels kind of dead. You know, I mean, there are some locals around, but it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't feel like a real life city anymore, which is what we've been enjoying in a lot of the places we've visited. Absolutely. The old town itself is stunning. A fortified harbour city, and it is undoubtedly beautiful. But during the day, uh, even in the shoulder season when we visited, it was full of tour groups and other tourists like ourselves. As Linda said, no one can afford to live there anymore. Um, and in summer, apparently, there are queues of several hundred people that are waiting to get in because this walled, fortified little town gets so filled with people they have and to control. And it's not small. I mean, it's a relatively big area, in. but. Yeah, there's just no space for anyone. So you can yeah. imagine it would be quite hard to even take photos because yeah. there's so many people around. 
Um, you can go up on the city walls for um, 90 kroner yeah. and walk around the the top walls to get a panoramic view. And there's also a Dubrovnik a... city card, which is 130 kroner per day. They also have a, a three-day or a five-day option, I think. Yeah. Uh, and that includes entrance to museums and some public transport as well. Yeah, as well as access to the walls. Yep. So if you're thinking about doing the walls plus one museum or two of the museums, then getting that city card will definitely be worthwhile. For sure. Uh, another thing that's worth doing from Dubrovnik, apart from just exploring the old town, is going and finding some of the beaches or hiking around some of the other areas of town. Uh, we didn't yeah. get out. <laughs> when you say hiking around some of the areas of town, oh, it's yeah. really true. Sure. Because it's um, it, everything's hills, hills, hills that lead down to the port. And uh, my favorite area was walking around the part of town called Gruge, which is where the port is, where the um, the ships come in. Walking around the harbour is nice. You get these uh, a mix of boats, old and new, like modern super yachts and, and older small fishing boats and things like that. And then the suburbs up behind where people are Really living. up behind. Yeah. You look at a map <laughs> up, up, and you up. don't get an idea of it. It's relatively flat to walk from the old town along the main road towards the port. That's fine. But then from this road, the, the hill just stretches straight up beside you. And it's covered with houses. So access to these houses is by really steep concrete stairways or, or stoned stairways. And uh, yeah, it really is quite a, a challenge to get up to your accommodation if you're staying in that area, which we were. We were staying at Villa Ivan, which was run by a guy called Ivan and his wife. And uh, just a, a little guest house with three rooms and individual bathrooms and a kitchen. It was really nice. He was so nice. He came and picked us up from the bus station and waited for an hour because our bus was so late and we couldn't contact him. And, yeah, he was like, yeah, it happens. I wish they'd, <laughs> I wish they'd contact us when they know they're going to be late, but, you know, what can you do? And, uh, yeah, he was really lovely. Gave us a coffee as soon as we arrived. It just made us feel very welcome. Yeah, yeah, that was beautiful. Um, and so, yeah, that wraps up our things to do in these main cities of Croatia. But there's obviously a lot more country to go and see. And a lot of it is just beautiful. As you pass through on the bus, you're seeing this lovely forest and, and farmland. And just get out there and explore. Yeah, another thing to do from Dubrovnik is to explore most more of the country. Because the rest of the cities don't have a lot of tours. I mean, Zagreb does, but Split and Zadar don't have a lot of organized tours. But we went on a tour from Dubrovnik actually to Bosnia and Herzegovina, and that was worth doing. But they also have tours for Croatia. So if you just want to see a few extra bits of the country without hiring a car or organizing it by yourself, then a day tour might be a good option. And yeah. Dubrovnik's a good place to do it from. Because of, yeah, the concentration of tourism. Exactly. Yeah. And quite great. fairly priced. I mean, our yeah. day tour was... We were away for 10 hours, and it cost 50 euros, 55 euros. So that yeah. was quite fairly priced, I thought. Per person, yeah. It was excellent, excellent value. Uh, well, that wraps up Croatia. Um, do you want to speak quickly about food, and then we're going to have to uh, sign off? Yeah, I suppose the, the main thing to eat in Croatia is burek, and that's true for all of the Balkans. It's a kind of like a type of pie uh, with phyllo pastry stuffed with something. Ricotta cheese is quite common, uh, spinach is common, or meat, depending on what you're after. It can be either rolled up and then shaped into a horseshoe, or it could be a flat, flat kind of pie, depending on which bakery you go to. It's super cheap, super tasty, and uh, quite a good lunch option. 
Now, I'm not sure if our indie travel tip of the week this week is something that's a cleanliness tip or a dirtiness tip, but... Uh, it's a tip. So the tip, tip of the week is always have toilet paper with you, or maybe just some tissues in your bag or something in your pocket. But if you're traveling anywhere, it's always a good idea to have some toilet paper in your pocket. I was reminded of this when we were traveling across the border from Albania to Kosovo, and we had a, a bus stop at a... Well, it was a truck stop... The electricity was flickering on and off. We ordered a kebab and I needed to go to the loo. So I went around the corner. There was no light, so I had to use the torch on my on my iPhone. And uh, there was definitely, definitely no toilet paper. There wasn't even a toilet. It was a squatty toilet, which I haven't used for some time. So if I wanted to wipe, I really had to provide my own facilities. And luckily I, I had, so that was fine. And I'm even more reminded of it here in KL because quite often you don't find toilet paper in the toilets. Yeah, I think it's something you always remember when you're in South America or Southeast Asia, certainly I'm sure throughout Central Asia as well. Mm -hmm. But it's something you don't really think about in Western Europe, but still there are times when it comes in really handy. Yeah, I've been to many toilets, even in a, a nice hotel or a nice restaurant where you go in, you sit down, and then you realize, oh... And that's one of the worst feelings. <laughs> so, I, another as, as an associated tip is always check for toilet paper <laughs> before you start to, um, to need it. Smooth. Well, we'll leave you with that lovely thought. <laughs> Until next week, travel well.